Hello, and welcome to the All Things Narrative podcast, where we explore the relationships between the stories we love and the stories we live. I'm your host, Tara Hatch, and let's get started. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone out there. Yes, it is February 14th, uh, the date that this episode is coming out. And for all my hopeless romantics and lovebirds out there, welcome to the All Things Narrative Podcast. Thank you for stopping by. And if you are listening to this and it is not Valentine's Day, it's all good because every day can be a day for love, right? So what better way than to do this episode, this Valentine's Day special, than to bring on the love of my life, everyone, Tori Hatch. That's right. <laughs> oh man so yeah Tori's been on uh with our Studio Ghibli episode our Harry Potter episode and now you're back what is this episode <laughs> well you know we'll see if this uh breaks the Studio Ghibli record because nope. that is our still our our most downloaded episode ever so everyone gets to hear your your lovely voice isn't it lovely it is it is very <laughs> lovely so we're going to start a new series this year. So last year when we did the Why We Loves, we did uh, some of the most popular series, franchises, whatever you want to call them, right, of our pop culture. So we did Spider-Man, we did Marvel, we did Harry Potter, Star Wars, blah, 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 right? So go check all those out um, if you're interested in them. So when we did our last episode with the guys in December, we kind of shot around some ideas of what we could do next. And one of the things, I can't remember if I said it, Joseph, I can't remember who said it, but they brought up this idea of doing genres. And I was like, ooh, that's interesting. Because when I do my Live a Meaningful Story program, on the first session, I ask everybody to think about their life through the lens of a genre. There's many different exercises that we do with story and using that language and whatnot to talk about our lives. When we start talking about genre, it's interesting because a lot of people don't know how to react to that question. What, what is In, your life story? What's the genre for your life? Aha. Well, I think there's a few. Oh, so of course. It's I, never yeah. a well, I, And I think there's a few for everybody too, you know? Because a lot of people will want definitions of a genre. And the Latin... One of the last times I did this, I went through and they they said, hey, can you go through every genre on your list? I think there's like nine of them I put up or something and just kind of explain like what you mean by that genre. And when I explained it, they were like, oh my gosh, I never have heard that description of, of that. Like I didn't know that's what those stories meant. And I said, yeah, I've tried to take lots of different research from different places and pull it together and kind of articulate, this is essentially what this genre is, right? Um, whether you're talking about it in a novel, in a play, in a film, in a show. And so we're gonna kind of go through these uh, throughout the year. Uh, we'll probably do about 10 of them this year and just kind of talk about like what the genre is, different examples, and then also how they connect to our lives. Because I think all of these genres can in some way connect to our stories, the stories that we find ourselves in. So 
You asked just a moment ago, Tori, which ones apply to my life, right? Well, I'll tell you two that I think apply to everyone's life across the board, and that's drama and comedy. So when we talk about genres, there's a very helpful approach that I take. It's it's by a guy named Eric Williams. Uh, he's, a, he's a screenwriter and he's also a professor. And he came up with this thing called the screenwriter's taxonomy because once you start like researching what genres exist and how to classify art into a genre, it gets really confusing because there's a lot of opinions out there about what constitutes that genre and how it should work. What I like about his screenwriter's taxonomy, I, I, I tend to just agree with his approach. So the reason why I think everybody can apply a drama and comedy to your life is because comedy and drama are almost less of like genres and more of spectrums of stories. So he calls them types. And, and, and I really like that because you could take any story, whether it's a fictional story or a story that you tell somebody, and there's a spectrum between how much of it leans towards drama, the dramatic, and how much of it leans towards comedy. And comedy doesn't always necessarily mean like, ha-ha, funny. It can also mean like the more just lighthearted, everyday, you know, mundane, ordinary experiences. And drama is usually reserved for the things that are more key moments um, that really test our character and help us to transform. So every story, you could take any story and you could put it down and say, okay, this is 70% drama, 30% comedy, right? You could do that with, with any story. So it's hard for me to talk about drama and comedy as their own genre because when, I, when you say like something's a comedy, if you push a little further, there's actually another genre there. Or if you say something's just a drama, it's usually not just a drama, it's usually something else as well. And that applies to what we're going to talk about here today, because this also is one of the genres I would use to describe my life, which is the romance. All right, cool. Yeah. So, and, and not just because we're married, but also because how many times have we sat down to watch something and you've, you've said verbally, I want to watch a love story. I want to watch two people who fall in love and get married, right? How many, how many times have we, we found something for that mm -hmm. to put on? So it's interesting because ro romance would follow under like what uh, the screenwriter's taxonomy is like a genre. I think there's 11 of them that they list. So if we think of like romance as a genre, we could think every romance. Didn't you just say there was nine? No, I said there was nine that I use in my thing, but uh, I'm talking about on this taxonomy, there's 11. Okay, gotcha. So with romance, like any romance story will have a spectrum of comedy and drama. And we'll talk a little bit more about that when we talk about specific examples. But there's a lot of confusion about the word romance because what do you mean when you say romance, right? Are you talking about yeah. like the romantic period? Are you talking about um, like what you think of when you think of Valentine's Day? Like, oh, like do something romantic for someone I love. Like what do we mean by a romance, right? So I'll tell you what my definition is that I use to talk about the genre of romance overall. Then I'll talk about specifically within works of fiction what constitutes a romance. So in my program, when people ask, okay, so 
what's a romance? How would I view my life story through the lens of a romance, right? This is, this is typically I say something along these lines. Romances represent our deepest longings, our passions awakened and ignited, longing to be fulfilled. A romance is that which we give all of ourselves to, that which we long to possess, but in reality possesses us. It's what you ultimately desire and what you pursue to your utmost fullest, that which you are ready to lay down your own life for. That sounds like something someone in the church would say about your relationship with God. Yeah, I think I think uh, that's definitely one one example that you can use of a romance, right? Because a romance, it, 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 it has a lot to do with passion. It has a lot to do with emotion. It has a lot to do with what do you want so badly in life that you'll give anything for it, right? And, and there's, there's, there's typically a, a sense of longing that comes with that as well, like trying to attain, and sometimes that's maybe not the best way to put it, but yeah, so a romance is something that we can find ourselves in in a lot of ways. And of course, the most common way we talk about it is with people, right? But talking about it with God, that's that's definitely another way you could talk about it as well, right? Whether you talk about God's relationship yeah, with us the, or us. The language that's used in there, it sounds a lot like, you know, when someone, you know, you would say like converts to Christianity just because that's my background. I know yeah. that like they'll use a lot of those words of like, you give your life over mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah. Well, and so you got a couple great examples in the Bible of what I would consider to be the romance genre as well, right? So the two most prominent ones that I can think of is uh, in terms of a story, you've got in Genesis, the story of, it's kind of an odd romance, but kind of the love triangle between Jacob, Leah, and Rachel, right? And it's a very odd story in the Bible because it almost plays like, like this is a story I would love to see adapted into like a contemporary version. Cause you got this guy who just, it's love at first sight with Rachel at the well, right? Right. And then he decides, okay, I'm going to work for seven years, seven years. Like that's a ludicrous amount of time, seven years um, to get to marry her. Right. Mm-hmm. So he works for her father and after seven years, gets married, but, and I know there's a lot of cultural stuff that's, that, you know, can go over our heads with this, but basically <laughs> Jacob's married off to the wrong sister. So at the last moment, the, the father switches out because the older sister hadn't gotten married and that's custom. So Leah gets married off to Jacob and it literally says in the text, it's like, Jacob awoke and there was Leah or like surprise, it was Leah, right? So it's like like something you'd see in like a romantic Romantic comedy comedy. nowadays. Yeah, I'm telling you, if you're listening, anyone out there in in Hollywood, make a film with this. It's it's great material. So yeah, and then he goes to his his now father-in-law and says, hey, you tricked me. And he's- What the heck? Yeah, and he's like, ha-ha, I had to marry her off first, but you can have Rachel as well if you work for another seven years. So he's actually married to both sisters. Again, a lot of material there, right, that you could do. There's definitely some comedy in the story there, but there's also that level of drama and tragedy, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, look at all the names of the kids 
you know, Leah, what, what she yeah, cause they have her kids. That's the first four kids. Yeah. Um, cause Rachel is barren for mm-hmm. a long time. And it, here's a great example of what you mentioned about like a human romance, but also what we call maybe a divine romance, right? After, it's clear that Jacob loves Rachel more. Like it's just, it's just, it's just evident obvious, in the yeah. story. But it's interesting because there's a note in the story that God saw Leah. God, through the these four children, particularly the last one, there was a sense of romance, I would even say, that Leah felt by God, because um, children were a sign of blessing, right? So of her being able to be given the gift of life of these kids that she could be all in for, mm-hmm. and her understanding that God is doing this, that God sees her, that sees this situation that she's in. So that's one example of a romance from the Bible, right? And another one is a, it's an entire book. It's called The Song of Songs, mm-hmm. which is basically like a greatest hits collection of Israel love poetry um, stitched together into kind of a narrative of a, between the, the beloved and her lover, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there, there's good... Lots of ancient romantic material. Um, you can't get far into romance without thinking of Shakespeare, right? Well, so, Western, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Any thoughts on that? No. Cool. Now, when we talk about, like, romance stories in general, um, there's there's a couple, like, qualifications to determine with a romance. Because you'd agree that most stories have a relationship in it somewhere, right? Yes. Whether it's someone who's married, right? Or someone who's dating. Still, or just stories in general. Well, just in stories in general. Yeah. Like they most have relationships and most even will have a romance of one person trying to pursue another, right? Mm-hmm. But this is what I, I've gathered really constitutes a romance. When you can call something primarily a romance is that it must revolve around two people as they develop romantic love for each other and work to build a relationship. Um, That you can look at, one of the ways that you can tell if something is a romance, if that's the genre, is is the central conflict of the story centered on a relationship between two people. Now, there might be side conflicts or the B-plot, right? Mm -hmm. But is the central problem, the central conflict of the narrative about- Trying to get two people together? Or yeah, or even just two people who are together and trying to work that out, right? Like to strengthen the relation or it doesn't matter. Could be any. Yeah, it could be any. It could be like boy meets girl, you know, and the whole thing could be just them going on a date. Could be them going on dates and maybe getting engaged to getting married. It could Mm -hmm. be them being already married and how do they keep that going, right? Mm -hmm. But is that the central focus? And is the climax, and again, the climax is the part of the story that really reveals, oh, wow, this is what this story really is, right? Mm -hmm. Is the climax really centered on that? Are the themes really centered on um, those relationships? And I take it it's not always necessarily positive either. Like right. I'm thinking of the one movie that I know you like, the 500 Days of Summer. Yeah, we'll talk like, about that one. That one is all about a relationship. Mm-hmm. But then at the climax, you could say it's the relationship not coming together, but falling apart. 
Right. And that's kind of how it yeah. ends. And that's still a romance. That's Again, that romance. can lean more okay. towards, because 500 Days of Summer is a tricky one. It starts off very comedic and then it does get a little more dramatic as it goes on, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, drama can tend to be associated with tragedy. So that, yeah, a lot of great romances don't end well, sadly. But the the central question that, kind of like a cheat sheet, I like to say, is that the central question when you're watching something or reading something, if the central question that you have is, will they end up together by the end? That means you're probably watching a romance okay. of some sort, Okay. right? If, if, if that is like an afterthought, if there's another conflict that is more centralized and then the relationship is there, so- So- yeah. Then. Yes. So I'm thinking of uh, the Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. That story with um, like Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. That right. One. Right. Like their romance is kind of like a huge part of the movie. However, yes. that's not really the main. Point. That you you know. So it, yeah, it, it's interesting because that one is yeah. That's kind of what you're wondering the whole movie. But I also at the same time the other you know, subplot, that's more of a subplot because then there's the whole, the main plot is like, he's becoming Spider-Man too. Yeah, it's tricky. That one's tricky because I think like, like if you take the superhero genre, Mm -hmm. most superhero films have some sort of love interest or or romance going on, but it's not the central conflict of the story, right? It's, it's there, but you know, your first and foremost question isn't is Batman and Rachel gonna stick together? Mm-hmm. That's not really the first foremost question when you're watching the Dark Knight trilogy, right? Right. Um, the Spider-Man films are tricky. They're very tricky because they actually frame those, like the Sam Raimi films with Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst. They frame those like their romances. Like okay. literally, the first scene in in Spider-Man One is. This is a story about a girl. Yeah. And it, it it makes you think that that's where, that's the central thing of the story. But I would argue as the, the, the film goes on, I don't know if it is. I don't, I don't know if it's, if a, if it's a romance at its core. I think the romantic element is very important. Well, I take it a story can have more than one genre. Yes. Yes. That's a great so point to bring up as it's well. Just a- so like, it's more I like it. it's it's talking about like what what genre does the story most mainline? Yeah. Okay. So I think it's interesting because the Amazing Spider-Man one, the romance is kind of sneaked in there as you're watching it, mm-hmm. and the romance is very important. But I don't think I could say the Amazing Spider-Man one is a romance at its core. The Amazing Spider-Man two is a little trickier though. That one is very much. The main story. That is that there. I think the problem, as I've shared before, is there's just too much going on in that film. But I do think that when I talk to people about that movie and when I think about myself watching that, the central thing I am asking is what's going to happen to them and are they going to make it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think besides maybe like Spider Man 3, I don't know any other superhero movie where the relationship is the thing I'm most caught up in, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't really think of any. So it's tricky because that's a great example, right? Of 
you know, if you're a good, yeah, but if you're a good storyteller and I'll list, I'll list some good stories here in a moment, there's some good stories that will make it clear that yes, this, this is a romance. Now there's also like with these genres, there's also what you can, you can have is basically macro and micro genres, which is where you've got like the genre on top. And then you've got these other little smaller genres that can go paired with the, the big genre, so to speak. Um, so, and then there's also kind of like nicknamey, like sub romance, you know, genres as well. So I'll give you some examples here. It's a common one, the chick flick, which is basically a romance that's targeted specifically at reaching the female audience. So the notebook, that would be considered a chick flick. And that's not like something that's just like a nickname. So that's different from like a romantic comedy. Yes. A romantic comedy is actually its own separate thing. So a romantic comedy is more trying to appeal to both men and women. Mm -hmm. um, And it is leaning more towards comedy, whereas a chick flick tends to lean more towards Towards the dramatic with with comedy elements to it. So like romantic comedy, 10 things I hate about you. Mm -hmm. Like that's an example of a, of a, of a, you know, typical romantic comedy we might think of, right? Okay. So there's also the historical romance, which is where you take a romance and you set it against the backdrop of a specific period of time. So is that like Pride and Prejudice? Um, yeah. That's a novel adaptation though. Yeah. Well, well, Pride and Prejudice would also fall under and being like a romantic drama, right? Okay. Um, I mean, I've only seen Pride and Prejudice once, so you'd probably know better than I do if that would be if it leans more towards the drama, right? Yeah. Oh, it's um, def- it's not a comedy. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I mean, there's an, a, some funny things. Yeah. But yeah. No, it, it doesn't lean heavily on the. Comedy Another side. example of like a historical romance would be like Titanic. Oh. Because okay. Titanic, although it's set in a, a specific history period of time, and yes, the conflict of will the Titanic sink and what will that look like, that is important. But honestly, the central conflict when you're watching it is what's going to happen between these two, right? Right. That's really what's on your mind when you're Mm -hmm. watching Titanic. And the tragedy, as tragic as it is to see the ship go down and all the people, you're really tragic. When when Jack dies. Yeah. that's Versus all the people on the boat. Right. (laughs) That's when you know you're watching a romance, when you're more invested in these two people than you are in anything else going on in the background. So then what about Emo the Musical? That's like like a musical comedy so musicals, Drama, romance. yeah. So musicals are interesting because so some people will say like you can do a romantic musical, right? Yeah. And like so, like High School Musical could be an example of that for a lot of people. Okay, it's but, been a while since I've seen that. But I don't here's know. but here's my argument, and it's again, it's based like, on are musicals their own genre. Yeah. So this this is the thing I've wrestled with this for a while. Oh, this wrestled, is where, huh? th- th- yes yes. <laughs> This is where I'm at right now. And again, this is Eric Williams, screenwriter taxonomy. This is why I agree with this approach because I've always felt this, but a lot of people don't say this. this what I'm about to say is not the mainstream view. Mm-hmm. Most people would say that musicals are a genre. Okay. I disagree. I think a musical is a medium. I was going to say, it's just an expression. It is of, a way of telling a yes, story, right? That's what I would think. Just like animation is not a genre, right. animation is a medium. So mm-hmm. when you give you know, the Oscar for best animated film, you are recognizing that medium 
of storytelling. Huh, and I okay. think musical, it's weird because right now, like like in the awards, it's like it's best comedy or musical, which makes no sense because half at least half of musicals are not comedies. Com- they're more on the dramatic side. Right. So like Sweeney Todd in the best musical slash comedy category it makes no sense so i think a musical should there's probably not enough musicals to come out every year to have its own category that's probably but honestly i think musical is a way of telling a story you could give me any musical and i'll tell you what genre i think it is so like la la land la land i think is a romance musical yes okay yes it is it or i would say it's a music yeah 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 yeah. you're right like west side story that's that's a romance. West Side Story is a tricky one because okay. I do think it's a romance, but I also think it falls under. So, yes. So the main genre would be romance, but the kind of micro, macro, micro genre would be um, that it's a gangster flick. Um, that actually is a, jo- a, okay, a, a smaller genre. Okay, because I was wondering genre. if that's, a, that's its own thing. It, it, yeah. Okay. It's a smaller genre that musical is a medium. Gangster so, flick. Now that's a Gangster weird, flick, right? So like, did The Godfather create that genre? So no, God, yeah. no, gangsters films have been around for a long time. Okay. But um, The Godfather, actually, I know we're getting way off track here. Out? I don't even know when that came That was in the 60s. Oh, and then didn't The Godfather come out later? Yeah, it came out in the 70s. Oh, okay. but the ga- gangster stuff's been around a long time. But okay. Godfather would fall under... So there's another genre called the, the crime genre. Oh, God. So, yeah. So, so that's a genre. So, um, But then there's a macro genre called the family drama. So the, the Godfather is a crime family drama. <laughs> okay, what is a family drama? I don't think a severed horse in my bed is a family family film a family drama just means there's conflict within the family and that's the central okay that's the central conflict of the story in like uh like if you're scrolling through like a streaming service there's normally family oh no 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 yeah so that's what my mind went to because those are supposed to be ones that you can watch as a family yeah no i don't believe yeah so that's not what family see this is why genre stuff gets confusing this is why we're doing this uh this series here because it is very confusing because isn't that Um, like how okay so when you're on, is it Netflix or who? I don't know. Any One of, of those, them, like, yeah. They don't divide it. They kind of divide it by genre, but then mm-hmm. they write family movies. Yeah. But that's not a family. That's not, but that means something different than family genre is what See, I'm getting at. You could take any movie that's in that family category and put it somewhere else and put it as they're either it's a sci fi, it's a, it's a, com- it's a, I almost said comedy. It could be a romance. It could be a fantasy. It could be yeah, exactly. You could break it down into any of those. Of life. Yes, exact. Slice okay. of life is a genre. That's another example. Mm-hmm. Um, slice of life would that be like Little House on the Prairie? Is that like yeah. slice of life, yeah. or is that more like um, what's the genre for like um, like Hatchet and uh, Survival, like My Side of the Mountain, those types of stuff? You like know, Man versus the Wild. I actually think that might be a micro genre. Is oh, survival really? stories, yeah. I think that might be its own, not a macro. So there's genre, then there's macro genre, then there's micro genre. I'm not 100% sure. I'll have to look that Sorry, up. Sorry, high school English has not taught me these. See, this is actually <laughs> what I didn't learn in high school English. I, that's I, what I'm saying. I didn't learn this in high school English. Yeah. That's as far I think, as my English I honestly <laughs> think this this would be would be helpful because um, I, I, I think this is very, I like Should've how clear this is. English. <laughs> Got out of that a, one. A couple other romantic pairings you could have is uh, you could have a romantic fantasy. 
So like Enchanted is an example of a romantic fantasy, right? Okay. The romance is the center, but it's in a it's paired with a fan because fantasy is its own genre as well. Okay. Um, but they're kind of paired together. And this one is rare, but you do see it done. You, we've actually watched one recently, what? a romantic thriller. What did we watch? That was a romantic. Vertigo. Oh. Yeah. Because okay. even though Vertigo is a thriller, the romance is really. Central, central to, to the conflict, yeah. That's so that's almost like a crazy. hybrid, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I guess it, it just might be helpful to do some examples, right? Examples like. Are yeah, let's, let's do some examples here of things. And we could talk about, you know, like some of these are very clearly romances and some of them are kind of hybrids with other things. So like I'll, I'll do this one first since you mentioned it. So you did 500 Days of Summer. So 500 Days of Summer, it has that comedy drama. It, it call, some people call it a dramedy, right? Um, where it's just a, 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 mix, a blend of both. But the central conflict in 500 Days of Summer is this idea in relationships of expectations versus reality. That's what the whole movie is about, right? Yeah. So they like both- the Ikea scene where they're like pretending they're in another world. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that movie just has a lot of great moments that very clearly spell out to you because Mark Webb is a good storyteller when he's allowed to do, do his thing and not have studio interference. Mark Webb, for you guys that don't know, also made those amazing Spider-Man films. So like Mark Webb, romance is his, that's his- Genre. That's his thing he likes to do. Yeah, okay. he, he loves to make romance stories. Where they die. And so, well, and, and with it, 500 Days of Summer, it's interesting because you have literally a scene where there is a line down the screen and the words expectations and reality are side by side with those panels, right? You have a moment where they break out in song, you know? Mm -hmm. So you have this constant interplay of, of that dichotomy. And my favorite moment in that movie is, you know, he works for a greeting card company, which is amazing. Right. <laughs> Great setup there. But when he's there, right, gets up in the meeting because they're trying to make all these cards, and this is after the the breakup that he has with Summer, and just Joseph Gordon Levitt's character, and he just says, "This is all BS. Like this isn't real. None of this is real." And you know, and he talks about how they profit off these kind of lies, and then he talks about how he had all these expectations of romantic love, and how it let him down, and this is kind of what's happened to a lot of people. So. It's then that after, spoiler alert, it's after he has this realization, after these quote unquote 500 days of- Being with Summer. Not just being with, but just in connection with Summer, that he's finally able to move on to another relationship. And that's when at the end of the film, he meets Autumn. And of course, Autumn is symbolic of change. So he is ready to finally change and to go with the wind, if you will, of- where this new kind of epiphany on romance takes him. Mm -hmm. And Summer goes on her own journey too of not wanting to be married. And then all of a sudden she, she finds the right, the right person, person and gets married. Like, so she I'm learns. I'm sure of it now. Yeah, yeah. So she learns a lot about love too. So 500 Days of Summer is a great, it's, it's a very clear cut romance. Yeah. Like that, no doubt about it. Another obvious one is Romeo and Juliet. 
So we watched Romeo and Juliet, the the '90s one, the Boz Lerman, right? The the one where it's in modern day. But they, that one just makes me smile. It does. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, it's really great with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. And I think um, is it Claire Clara Danes as Juliet? I think. Oh, I couldn't. Um, yeah, I don't from know. Stardust. So. She's the girl from Stardust. Yeah, I'm pretty oh, sure. She is. Like that just made sense in my head. Yeah. Mm. So Stardust is a romantic fantasy. Yeah. Oh, this is like yeah. a pop quiz. Yeah. Yay, yeah. I'm winning. Stardust. Yeah, Stardust is a good okay. one because it is on the surface, I would say Stardust is a fantasy, yeah. but it almost uses the fantasy backdrop to tell this more romance story mm -hmm. because what's the whole central conflict of there? It's he wants to get this thing to impress, what's her, what's her name again? The other girl. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember her name. The blonde girl. I almost said Butterscotch. Olivia. <laughs> but I'm thinking of something else. Something else. Butter, I don't remember. Buttercup. You're thinking of Butter that Cup. other really yeah. good movie, The Princess Bride. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the Princess Bride is a... Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll, go, we'll do Stardust real quick first. So okay. like, so Stardust is... um, It is a central, like, because you're watching it and it's... It's like a Western. No, Western's a whole different thing, dude. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like it's like a journey and they're trying to get along the journey and people are chasing them and they have to go on these tiny yeah, little quests throughout the thing. That's more of an adventure. That's adventure is a macro genre. Um, right, Western Western is literally its whole other animal to tackle. No, no, no. This is good. Um, <laughs> yeah, Stardust is really centrally like the central conflict is I want to go and I want to get this thing. And then that thing happens to be a person. Right. Oops. Wants to bring the star back. But then, of course, as you're watching it, you're like, okay, what's going to happen with him and, you the know, star. the girl? I, which, mm -hmm. again, I'm blanking on her name, too. But, but yeah, so Stardust, I would say, is a romance. Like, like it's a it's a romance fantasy. I think yeah. it's, you know, they're, they're both genres, but I think they're very, that's a very. Fine line. Balanced, yeah. Okay. Like, it's like. It's ro it's fifty fifty romance fifty fifty fantasy right I, I I definitely think that's a good example of a of a balance Princess Bride would be another one as well right mm -hmm. where you have um again what's the central conflict is he going to find is he Buttercup going to get Buttercup is Buttercup gonna get married off to the the uh, terrible prince yeah what's the main guy's name. Oh man, we're bad at we're, these names. It's been a while since we've seen that movie. Um, Humper is Humperdink the bad guy. Humperdink's the bad guy. Okay. Who's the good guy though? Hold on, I'm gonna get it. He says he's a pirate. What's his pirate name? Wesley. Wesley, thank you. Wesley. There you go. Yep, the same guy who plays the Baron in Whisper of the Heart. Wes really? Yep. Interesting. Yeah, if you you gotta listen to his voice. I'd have to rewatch because um, I, I can't remember last time I watched Princess Bride. Yeah. I think it was probably a couple of years ago. Oh, definitely. Um, it's been a while. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Prince, so Princess Bride, that's another example. You're in that fantasy, that romance fantasy, but um, and you're very much in that adventure quest. It's very much like Stardust. You could put them pretty much in the same yeah, category, I feel similar. like. You know, the love story is central. There's a lot of fantasies. Like Lord of the Rings is an example of a of a fantasy story where the romance is so on the bottom of the priority list, right? 
There's a lot going on. There is a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Lord of the Rings is what I would call pure fantasy. Like it knows it's a fantasy. Right. And that's that. Is war a genre? It is its own genre, yes. So would Lord of the Rings also have that as like a subgenre? No. There's so many battles and wars. They're actually- The war for Middle Earth. (laughs) But but speaking speaking of um, Carrie from uh, Princess Bride, you know, mentioned he's in Whisper of the Heart. And we've talked about Whisper of the Heart on here on our Ghibli episode. Mm -hmm. Whisper of the Heart is an interesting one because- the the th- the word the term I kept hearing when I was watching or when before I watched Whisper of the Heart is like oh it's a slice of life film, it's just a film about following this person through their life at a specific moment, and you're just kind of go with the flow right yeah and that's it is it is very much that slice of life but I would say that Whisper of the Heart is very much a romance. I yeah, I could very see that, much. It being both. Because when we talk about like with a romance, first of all it's a lot of boy girl drama throughout the whole thing, right? Who's yeah. going to get together with who? Yep. But it's a romance going back to kind of the description I had at the beginning of the episode, like what do you most long for and what do you most desire? Mm-hmm. Because what I love about Whisper of the Heart and why I think it's one of the best examples of a romance that you're going to find in a film is because you have Shizuku and Seiji's different loves, her love for, you know, writing and his love for music. And that is their romance, their passion, what they what they are in love with, what they dedicate themselves to. Mm-hmm. But they learn what it means to have each other. Mm-hmm. as they pursue that, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the romance of their dreams, but also the romance of um, them getting together and realizing that neither of those things are what they thought they were going to be. They realize their dreams are a lot harder. So it's kind of moving taking your romantic ideas of your dreams and maybe bringing them down to reality a bit more. And then also them having a bit sense of a reality of what a relationship is, right? Mm -hmm. So so that's a good example of uh, the romance and the slice of life pairing. Um, Because I think we might do slice of life at some point on here. Because that is is definitely a genre. There's a lot you can talk about, you know? Well, I'm sure that's what many people, if you first think about your life, as a story and you as a character, you probably just think, eh, nothing too exciting. It's yeah. slice of life. Like, yep, yep, exactly. And like like, uh, like, The Office is a great slice of life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's primarily the genre. The Office is slice the, of life mm-hmm. comedy, I take it? Yeah, I mean, again, it's all spectrum, right, okay. with comedy and drama. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's slice of life. And again, like Jim and Pam fulfill the romantic uh, portion of that. Uh, again, mm-hmm. the central thing you're wondering with Jim and Pam is, will they get together? Gotcha. Right? So here's some other ones. Um, these are all different films we've watched over the last couple of years, so they're kind of more fresh. Um, I'm sure as you're listening, there's lots of other examples that you guys out there can we think of as well. We don't have time to watch all the movies. No, Sorry, we, guys. we don't, but <laughs> you can check out all this on my letterbox. So... Um, I'll even, I might even make a playlist of why we love romances. I'll, I'll have an example of some of these and maybe even rank them on there. But another one we haven't talked about yet is what's called the paranormal romance. Oh gosh. 
It it's not odd. as weird as it sounds. Is that Beauty so, and the Beast where she falls in love with yeah, the Yeah, so it's a romance between a human and something else, some other entity. It could be an alien, could be a beast. Um, so a, an example of a paranormal romance, yes, is Warm Bodies. That's oh. paranormal romance. Okay. And so this is a great like way, this is a great litmus test of how you could tell if something's a romance or not. So let's take two things that look very similar. So Warm Bodies and Zombie Land. Those are two very popular, you know, zombie funny land. zombie movies. I know you think you've only seen that one once. Warm Bodies. What is the central question you're asking the whole time you're watching Warm Bodies? Will they be together? Will they be together, right? Exactly. And there is a background of a world that exists. Apocalypse. And there is world building that it uses yeah. to tell you about this apocalypse, um, which apocalypse is a macro or micro genre. So it's, it's down there somewhere. There's a lot of genres. A lot, lot of them. I think there's like 50 macro genres. I think there's like... 100 micro, oh my 11 major, and then comedy drama as types on spectrum. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh I don't have these all memorized, so, but, but take those two films, right? So, Warm Bodies, that's the central thing. Is Zombieland, there is a romance mm -hmm. in there, but that's not the center of the story. The center of Zombieland is the apocalypse, okay. the apocalyptic world that they live in, right? Because if you look at all the main characters, it's how is this world affecting each one of them? So like okay. Woody Harrelson's character, you know, where he's lost everything and he just gets mad all the time and has to shoot stuff because he just, he, he can't handle the pressures of everything this world has taken from him, right? So it's like, uh, and then you've got uh, Wichita who has her her young sister and it's all she has left and it's like she's willing to do anything even if it's compromising her moral standard in order to protect the last bit. So it's like that's something that's more about the world that it's in and whatnot and the romance is not really central there. But that's so essentially- the other a, zombie movie that I'm thinking of is that one with Dane DeHaan. Oh, Life Beth. After Beth? Yeah. See, Life After Beth, I think, would actually primarily be a- I don't know. Because that doesn't feel like that's the- I mean, the, it, it- It almost- one is It feels very satirical. Yes. Like it's almost a satire of- relationships when they should end yeah. and that, you know, when you can't kill a relationship, quote unquote, right? Mm -hmm. So another example, you're going to love this. Okay. Here's another example of a paranormal romance. Okay. The Twilight series. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cause he's technically not human. Okay. Right. And so would this carry over to like romances where there it's like, um, extreme in class? So like you have like a super super rich guy and like a super poverty stricken girl and they seem like they're of, from different in worlds. In terms of the paranormal romance? Yeah. No. That's a different type of class. That'd probably be its own thing. Yeah. Okay. But cuz the paranormal romance is usually very specifically about two entities that should not. Cuz that that like, is what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah, that's almost Even though they're both humans, yeah. but they're yeah, like from two completely different worlds, like maybe or, yeah. or like where you have someone from one country and one culture meets someone from another country and another culture yeah. and they come together. Like is that considered? I think it's all in the same lines, yeah. Now that, that I think about that's it. That's probably a subcategory. Yeah. Versus I mean, just straight beauty yeah. and the beast where well, like, the beast. <laughs> yeah. The central thing of Twilight 
Will be- Edward be with? Yeah, who who is Bella, Bella Swan, the Bella. greatest name in fiction? Who is Bella Swan going to end up with? Twilight Sparkle Edward or Jacob? That's it. I'm just going to say Jacob. <laughs> That's it. Um, no extra. No extra. Just Jacob. That's oh it. My goodness. Listen, Jacob uh, gets the best line in the whole saga. In, what, what is in that? New Moon. What does he when they're say? at the movie theater date, which is peak cinema right there. Oh. He walks out and says, What, what a, a marshmallow. marshmallow. <laughs> yes. That movie is a comedy. That that oh. yeah, see, that means it, that I don't know if that's intentional up. though. I don't I don't think, I don't it's, think intentional, it's intentional at all. But for us, we put it on a laugh, right? Oh my gosh. But, I feel like we we sometimes like um like if it's Halloween and everyone's yeah. getting into all those movies, every every couple of years we'll watch a Twilight. Yeah, we'll throw one on there for sure. As if it's like a a horror movie or like something Halloweeny, and just to laugh because it just cracks cracks me up. Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh! Yeah, no, those those are hilarious. Mm-hmm. And again, there's a world there. There's all this world, there's this tension about vampires and werewolves and the war between them and all these other side characters. Really, at the end of the day, you don't care. The central thing you care about is the fact that Jacob, (laughs) you know what I'm about to say, don't you? What? What are you going to say? That Jacob. Will he ever imprint on, will he ever love someone other than Bella? Will he, and then. Could he love someone other than Bella? He could just imprint oh, on great. Bella's He'll daughter. Love her daughter. <laughs> so, so. Oh, that's. I. I gotta admit. I. 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 It's hard to surprise me, in in a story that surprised <laughs> me. I was not expecting that at all. <sighs> oh, there you go. Another um, thing that you can do with romances is. You can go into the more kind of sci-fi-y territory. So sci-fi is a genre. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of do like, it's a little, there's something called magical realism where you introduce like a little bit of magic in a real world setting, like a little bit of something that's unbelievable. So That's a lot of chick flicks, I think. Yeah. Like Cinderella story yeah. or like things like like those it's, types it's of It's usually ones. where you just have one what very small thing. What about all the Disney thing. princess movies? Is that what you're talking about? Like well, so Princess it's, and the Frog. Clearly there's some magic going so on. Let's um, save the princess movies for, for- Is that its own genre? No, 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 no. Okay. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me bring genres. this up real quick first and then we can talk about it. Because the, the Disney princess ones are very strange to talk about. Fairy in terms tales. of romances, yes, but I'll I'll, I'll tell you why in, in a moment. I I think they're romances, but I I think it's a little different than a lot of these other examples. So like what I'm thinking more of is like like Midnight in Paris. Mm-hmm. You have a uh, Owen Wilson's character who can go back to another period of time, right? right? And that's an example of. And by the way, Midnight in Paris is a great film, and it's about you know, romanticizing the past. Mm -hmm. So it is a romance. And yes, there are relationships that are central, but it is ultimately, will Owen Wilson be able to let go? Will he let go of his romanticizing of the past and learn to live in the moment? Or will he surrender himself to that ideal romanticized past of the 1920s France and be consumed by it? Mm. Right? Ah, 
Okay, there you go. Right? So mm -hmm. that's an interesting romance. You can use relationships to talk about ideas um, in this kind of magical realism way. So two other examples, and then I'll, I'll mention the Disney stuff because Disney will fall along these lines as well. Remember About Time? The one with um, the the woman who's Rachel McAdams, in who's in all the room. Yes, and I think. She's American. She falls in love with an English guy and he can go backwards in time. Yes, yes. Okay, the one where in their family, they can go through time, yes, right? And okay. he, can, he can go and change things. Yes, and but he can't. I don't. I'm trying to remember. He can't go story. forward at all. He can only go back. He can only go back. He, That's the, what it is. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. He can only go back. So. And if he goes back, it can change things in the future that he wanted to keep but couldn't keep. Right. So he so, just keeps going back until he decides he doesn't want to go back anymore. Yeah. So that's an example where, like, that is this. That's a film where it's really about again a romanticized vision of of what kind of life he wants to have, mm -hmm. and realizing how to have an authentic life. Mm -hmm. Um with this person. Mm -hmm. So time travel, which is again, its own macro micro, one of those genres. <laughs> so I know it's becoming a joke now, it right? So, but about time is like an example of, you know, it is about the romance, but it's also about something His else that he's right. There's something else that he's romanticizing that he has to Make almost let perfect. go of in order. Yes, exactly. Okay. That ideal vision you know, of his life, that perfect idea of what he wants his life to look like, mm -hmm. he has to let it go in favor of a person. So, and, and a third example that I'll give of that is uh, is Ruby Sparks. Okay. So you have Calvin, Paul Dano's character, who has He's a hard time. The, the writer, yep. Okay, and he and, and then the girl he can't do relationships. Yep. So okay, he brings this girl to life, Zoe Saldana's <sighs> character. We we had a yeah. So like with with Ruby Sparks, you know, again, he has a romanticized vision of what he wants his life and a relationship to look like. When it doesn't go that way, he is able to write and change the character because it's a character that he created, brought to life, inspired by the Twilight Zone episode. When he does that, and eventually you get to that very horrific scene where he is just typing and writing and she's doing whatever, right? Mm -hmm. You have there- Everybody's crying. Right. Then you have again, is he going to let go of that romanticized vision in favor of a person, right? So if about time, Midnight in Paris and Ruby Sparks, if these movies are about- primarily guys, I guess, that have a romanticized vision of their life that they have to let go of so that they can have an authentic romance with a person. I think the Disney princesses are the opposite to that in a way. And I'll tell you how. Okay, yeah, tell me how. I think all the princesses have something that they're longing for, which is what makes them romances. But I think the person the the prince is key in helping them realize that in making that reality so for them it's not a letting go of it's a embracing of okay that thing mm -hmm. so like snow white constantly is like someday my prince will come right and 
you know, she's resilient. She's been through a lot mm -hmm. uh, with her, you know, with the queen, her stepmother. Yeah. And you could say this with Cinderella as well. Mm -hmm. You know, Cinderella wants to live in a world where her kindness is appreciated. Mm -hmm. And so with Snow White and Cinderella, the prince brings them into this vision mm -hmm. where their kindness and their resilience, when these things can be fully appreciated, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Sleeping Beauty similar to that as well because she's got the this dream, right? Um, but she's, of course, cut off from everything. Yeah. And by being with the prince, the prince brings her- a whole new world. Yes, it opens a world uh, where like dreams Aladdin. can become possible. Aladdin is a reversal of that in the sense that Aladdin is the one who's cut off. The boy is the one cut off mm -hmm. and the girl is the one who has everything that he wants. But the but, girl also is cut off in a different right. way. Right. So it's about them realizing, recognizing- you know, mm -hmm. that which they most long for and finding in themselves in each other that, right? Yeah. But again, they are both keys. There's not really, Aladdin maybe is, is an exception in the sense that there is kind of certain things that each of those characters has to let go of, mm -hmm. especially Aladdin. But for the most part, they are the keys to embracing their vision yeah. of what they want in life. It's like the soulmate perfect fit type of story. Right, right. So one that you get a really clear example of this is Ariel in The Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. Because when you... And I and we really we got to see the play, like the Little Mermaid play. And I, mm -hmm. I think I really felt this even more watching the play, which it's based off the movie, but there's just a little more scenes and songs in there. And I think I felt it a little more when I watched the play, is that Ariel romanticizes and longs for life on land. And Prince Eric romanticizes the sea and longs for that kind of way of life, right? So Ariel changes um, to be with somebody, but she also sacrifices something in the process. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're in a romantic relationship, there are things that are going to change about you, right? So like Ariel changes from one type of creature to another. Mm -hmm. But- Is that that also that para-, para Something magical like, realism. I don't know where it's like zombies. Oh yeah, the pair. Yeah, I guess I guess it kind of is, isn't it? Except you know, it's she changes into a human. Yeah, but she's still. A yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that is an example of that. That's interesting. But yeah, you have with them with uh, Ariel and Eric. You know, I don't think Ariel. It's gonna sound harsh. I don't think Ariel really loves Eric. <laughs> I think she loves the, the idea, idea of, of Eric, and she loves. I think what she loves is the land and the humans and that way of yeah. life. Eric is the full embodiment of that. Yes, I agree. And that's what she loves. Mm -hmm. And so again, Eric is how that vision is realized. Mm -hmm. Now I do think Ariel does learn to love Eric, but I don't think that's primarily yeah. what she she loves at first. Like when well, you she's, think about the date that they go on where he takes her around the kingdom, she's way more interested in all the things in the kingdom than yeah, him. Yeah, than him. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, Ariel's, a, yeah, that's, Little Mermaid's an interesting example to, to talk about with that though. But yeah, I think all these, you know, obviously they're fairy tales. Um, I mean, they're not But again, real? fairy tale, I don't know if I would. Soul crushing <laughs> over here. But again, fairy is fairy tale a genre 
or is it a medium? I don't know. I'm still learning all that. But I would definitely say that these are romances. But in a lot of these romances, like in a lot of these Disney princess films, the prince is incredibly underdeveloped. What? Yeah. Like there's really <laughs> not much there to the, like the romance is thin. It's a very, very thin, thin romance. But again, if you look at it at like, it's not the person, it's more of romanticizing an idea and a person helping to fulfill that, which we could talk about the morals and ethics if that's good or not, you know, but that's those stories. There if you, you want to know what those, those stories are trying to say. Mm -hmm. Another one that we haven't talked about too much is what I would call maybe feel-good romances. Mm -hmm. These are the ones that you watch and you watch it because you know it's going to make you feel good. Like yeah. there's going to be some like bumps the in the road. Comedies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're like, they're the ones that are pure romantic comedies. So mm -hmm. like we watched that movie, uh, the Zac Efron one, 17 again, right? Oh yeah, that's a feel-good one. Yeah, that's a feel-good like, okay, cool. Like there's a little bit of magical realism mm -hmm. in the premise there. You, you watch that because, you know, it makes you feel good makes you laugh yeah and or um we watched this recently and i'm just like i i've seen it several times but i was like man this holds up so well was uh my big fat greek wedding oh yeah that movie's great oh my I gosh I, I i just gotta say like my mvp is uh is gus <laughs> because what I like about My Big Fat Greek Wedding is how romances are not just a test for the couple. The couple themselves are okay. Like, yeah. they're not the most interesting part of the film. Though. They're not the most it's interesting It's the part families, of the film. right? It's the families. But it's interesting because the, the, the couple... Test. The couple is almost the straight. They're like the straight ones. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that are identifiable, easy to, con mm -hmm. you know, and it's the family where a lot of the drama comes in. Yeah. So you use that, you know, they don't actually have a lot of direct conflict. They tend to get along pretty well yeah, most of the time. Yeah, the couple gets along with each other very it's, well. It's, it's the family. It's the family that you see the drama. Yep, yep. It's it's being a vegetarian and, make, and them making lamb anyways, it's okay. right? I make lamb. <laughs> right? Um... Or, oh my gosh, even in my letterbox, I just write down all the funny things oh, like so many a toast family. The toast family. Mm. Every root of every word being no Greek. Jelly. Um, woman is the neck. Oh my gosh. There's just There's yeah, so a lot of great comedy that holds up in that one. Great one. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's a good one. If you watch enough romantic comedies, they're 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 not all gonna be for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. I had noticed for longest time. Okay, like what is one of the most like defining romantic comedies out there? Yeah, four weddings and a funeral. Oh yeah, we watched that one because it was on like everybody's top ten. List. Top ten, so like, yeah. Well, we should watch it. We yep. hated it. Yeah, I hated. Oh, I I I did awful. not like it either. I was like, this is just garbage. Yeah, and 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 I think I think. What was hard for me with that is I think romance to me is something that is a lot of passion. Mm -hmm. And when I watch a romance, I want to feel passion for the characters. No, but I, I don't the want to despise the characters. Like, I don't like either one of you. you right? Suck. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it's like, let's take two unlikable characters, mm -hmm. keep putting them in and out together, mm -hmm. and then just say, well, they belong together. But they're not willing to commit to each other. And they're not willing know? to change anything. They're not willing to change. They're like, I'm just going to just be, be crappy people to, be each crappy each other. to each other. Crappy yeah. to everyone. And ha ha, you uh, better love it. 
It's like we watched that and High Fidelity like right by each other, and what was both High of Fidelity? those. What was that that's one? the 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 record guy. We didn't even finish that. We didn't one. even make it through that we, one. We didn't even finish. Oh We're yeah, like, oh. it's terrible. That was another one where I hated the main character. I'm sorry, but if I hate the main character, I can't watch this movie. Yeah, like you are just annoying and grumpy, and I don't like you. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> other examples that we could give of this so when you see romances some will do this more comedically some will do it more dramatically but you have romances also that are are about testing they're about testing like the, the primarily the goal of the story is to test two people test your character to test character and relationship okay. through a, a very challenging character circumstance like your morals so like yeah, like person character like that, like your yeah, all of it, all of it. So, like for example, remember that movie we watched, The Big Sick. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right, and they they're kind of in a casual relationship, mm-hmm. but then she gets big sick. Yeah, big <laughs> she sick. Gets very sick. She gets was it leukemia or cancer? No, or? no, no. It was a uh, autoimmune thing. Okay. Her lungs and all that jazz. Yeah, and so. That's an example of, okay, we're going to test. Like the romance is primarily a test. Mm -hmm. And if they can pass this test, Mm -hmm. they can make it through anything, right? I know we weren't a big fan of this movie, but Juno would be another example of that. I not like that movie. I know. (laughs) But Juno is an example of, okay, can they they make it through? Like that Nicholas Sparks movie, what is it? Dear John. Dear John, I see I've never seen that one. Oh, I watched it in college, but I don't remember. Fault in Our Stars. No, no, no. All Dear these John ones. was the one where it's like she gets in a car accident and she has amnesia and she doesn't remember her husband. Oh, gosh. And then the whole movie is the husband trying to win her back. Yikes. And she actually never remembers him, but they eventually fall. I think they. I think that ends with them like oh, that's... falling back in love again for the second time. Oh, that is that is sad, though. It was very... Yeah, it was. It, well, it's Nicholas Sparks. You're going to cry. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Fault in our stars. Um, what a- never, you know, um, never let me go would kind of be another example of that as well. What's that one? Remember the one with Andrew Garfield, Kate Winslet. Oh, where, where they're like organ donors. Yeah, I'm not gonna say anything more than that. Um, oh. Just because. No, 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 no. That's good. Come on, you um, had 15 years to watch the movie. Yeah, that's like that's a sleeper hit though. That's one that a lot of people don't hear of, and I and you check it out, and you're like, we didn't hear about it for the longest time. Then we watched, it, I was like, oh, this is good. Yeah. But that's another example of will that romance? That's a survival make it? type movie too. Well, though. yeah. Will they will they make it? And I'm not going to tell you specifically what's at stake with it. Um, just their lives. Just just <laughs> their just their lives, right? We watched one that was really good recently. It was it was a sad one, but it was good. Shadowlands, the one about C.S. Lewis. <gasps> oh yes, and Joy. Yes, oh, I yeah. didn't even know this. Anthony Hopkins, one of the great actors, played C.S. Lewis, and I didn't even know as a C.S. Lewis fan that that movie existed. Yes, but that movie about the later part of C.S. Lewis's life when he falls in love with Joy, mm-hmm. and uh, and she dies. Yeah. Yeah, it's no spoiler because of history, but yeah, man, yeah, that that movie, was, that movie, that movie was good. Um, was was so so good, you know. That's not a feel good romantic movie though. No, that's a. I'm gonna be no. sad now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's about experience. It's about a man experiencing life, 
and how romance is is an avenue, as a key to experience. Because his love was for books and knowledge, right? right? And his love for God as well. But to have love in a person, person, and all the complexities that come him. with that was really new for him. And I think the film did a great job exploring that mm -hmm. and everything that came with that. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and that oh, I mean, the moment that got me the most was when she was almost gonna die mm -hmm. and she was like, all right, you love me? All right, you have to let me go. Mm -hmm. I was just like, dang. And he's like, no. That's, that's a side of- like straight up, yes, no, yes. I'm not. That's a side of romance Ooh. there, right? Because romance isn't just all the feel good stuff. Yeah. It is also, what are you willing to sacrifice? And for him, he had to sacrifice his own happiness. Mm -hmm. So that way he could give this person some joy some happiness for the time that they had left. I think it was more just peace. Knowing, yes, and knowing that she will pass on peacefully, mm -hmm. yeah. but he will be left to grieve. Yeah. For the rest of his life. Yeah. That's that's the that's a deep like that's like the depth mm. of what romance, yeah. you know? Don't think romance is just some surface levely thing when when you hear that. So, you know, and I mean, I even think about our relationship. I think about any relationship. There's always going to be be things that it costs. But again, you go back and you think about when we were dating and it was like, I remember making scrapbooks, telling our dating story through like a scrapbook or through like a video, right? Mm -hmm. And part of what that meant for me, I don't know what it meant for you, but what it meant for me was like, it reminded me of the things that mattered, that mm -hmm. were most important, even when things were tough. And it made it, you know, we're ultimate, the ultimate sacrifice that our whole dating relationship was building up to was ultimately, for me personally, mm -hmm. was moving, making yeah. the move to Florida. Mm -hmm. That's what it was all leading towards. Mm -hmm. And you could go hear about that on another episode that I did like a year ago. But- that essentially is what all those things, all those ways of telling our story, that's what they remind, we would go back to. Or like, I still think one of the most romantic things you ever did for me was the stickies, sticky notes. When I wrote you sticky notes. Oh my gosh. Jar, a jar of sticky notes that I would, you know, I savored that. It took me like a month to read them all. Yeah. Um, that was easily one of the best presents you've ever gotten for me. Oh man! Was, See, was, I went out with a bang in the very beginning. And no, 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 no. It's the romance, thing. but I think it, it's yeah. important with romance. Like you know, when you're married, it it is harder to keep. I mean, like the Bluey episode where they tried to have a romantic. Yeah, he just ends up puking. Yes, exactly. See, that's the, it that's is the flavor of romance we have these days. It is, but but that's the thing is, if you build <laughs> if you build a strong foundation of romance in yeah. the beginning in those early years, yeah, you have a lot to stand on. Yeah, and you just find other moments when in the craziness of marriage and kids. Yeah, to sustain that. Yeah. But if you have a strong foundation, and I mean, we were very romantic. And so I think mm -hmm. that reminded us of what we wanted yeah. in each other. And it made the sacrifices worth it. There you go. So that, I mean, that's what great romances in stories and in life do. I mean, we pretty much went through all the romances on this list here. I mean, there's only a couple I had left. So I had um, 
going back to, you know, where you can have a musical as a medium, can have hist historical as like a, like a macro genre. Another one where I think the romance is central and it's a tricky one, but uh, remember Across the Universe? All the Beatles really songs. You liked that movie, but you really liked the Beatles, so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but that's, you know, that's essentially that someone. It's a really long movie, isn't it? Yeah, but that's the one with, remember Jude and Lucy? He's from England. He comes to America. Yeah, 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 I think It's all so. coming back now. It's coming back now. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, so that's another one where you know. Here, so that's a that's an example um, where, again, Musical drama. Well, yeah, but where also you can just by listening closely to dialogue and to watching what is important, what place is important. So there's ways that you can tell what's really important to a, a storyteller. One, as I mentioned on here before, is like. What is a central line of dialogue that a character says that does not sound like how normal people talk? It's usually trying to tell you what the theme, the author talking to the audience, right? Christopher Nolan is notorious for that. He does that all over his films to the point where it's annoying at times. But like in Across the Universe, the opening line, the opening line is, opening lines can also be very indicative. And the opening line of Across the Universe is, isn't anybody going to listen to my story all about the girl who came to stay? Boom, that's a romance right there, right there. That is the central story there. But there's a lot of other stuff going on with that too. And mm -hmm. another film where there's kind of like a lot of stuff going on, there's sci-fi, there's time travel, there's all these things is, uh, is Your Name. Easily one of the best animes I've ever seen. But with Your Name, again, the central conflict is these two people Yes, that's a romance. With your name, you've got that sense of longing that they, they have for each other, despite all the things that are separating them. So, Well, and I think it's maybe not like a romantic relationship at first, but it's a building a relationship with someone, even yeah. if romance isn't the intention initially. Absolutely. It grows with time. Yeah. But... Which I think is a lot of people's love stories. It might not... A lot of... most seems like most people's love stories aren't love at first sight, but... Over time. Yeah. And I think romance, the temptation that we're always going to have with the romance genre is comparison. What? Probably more so than any other genre on this list. Romance is where we most tend to... Play the comparison game. Yes, with our well, lives. I try not to play the comparison game with a tragedy. <laughs> I yes. Don't, I don't want to have a tragedy. But, but it's amazing because even though like Romeo <laughs> and Juliet's a tragedy, so many people are still like, but I want what they have. I want Romeo. I want that. Uh, I right? want to die for somebody. Or think of all the people our age when Twilight came out and they were like, I just want my Edward. I just want Edward. I would die. Yeah. I would, I would die for him. Literally, soul. Bella dies for him. Yeah. Yeah. That is the danger of the romance genre if we're not careful, as we always need to make sure that we are, again, 500 days of summer, expectations versus reality, keeping that in our minds and realizing that. It's uh, a movie. Yeah. It's a well, story. You and, know? And, and yeah. And it's a story that can, it, no story ever is the full picture of everything. What? Something I like to say, right? So like when we did the Disney episode and Nick and I on that episode and Nick was talking about, I, I was giving the criticism of how like a Disney film, like Disney princess film can give us false expectations mm -hmm. of what to expect in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And he said like, well, isn't it also an aspirational right. like relationship of like, don't we want to have that kind of, you know, 
love and don't you want to become a princess and and become yeah good and kind yeah all the good things that the princess embodies so so it's like a both and you Mm -hmm. know with with a lot of this stuff is like you look at a story and there's probably a piece of that story that will connect with you but we also want to make sure that we don't try to parallel everything in one story because one story has usually has a specific job so even though the romance has a core of what makes that and defines that genre. That doesn't mean that all romances are equal, right? It doesn't mean that all romances are going to match your particular experiences the same way. They're not going to connect with you the same way. Mm-hmm. So like the reason why we don't like four weddings and a funeral is because it probably does not connect with my, well, with my Christian with values. Our, well, not just values, but it doesn't connect with our experience of the world. Yeah. But I'm sure there's people out there who maybe that has been their experience and maybe they do connect with that more. Mm-hmm. So we tend to gravitate towards stories where we find that connection most. This is why I like Emo the Musical. This is why we like Emo the Musical. Because <laughs> Emo the Musical is... The drama. It is so many things. That almost <laughs> needs its own episode one day because that, oh my gosh. Emo the Musical is, that's a tough one to classify as a romance. I don't know if I could classify that as That is purely a total a, romance. I know, but my central thing is not, is he going to end up with her? That's not my first is and foremost. Is he going to grow up? Is she going to grow up? It's, is it's, that it? Coming of age? Yeah. it's. I, I feel like it's primarily that more so. No, nah, it's a romance. I know. It's I know. romance. It's okay. It's great. I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll, t- we'll take it as a romance. A lot of people would probably be offended by it, but that's why it's also a satire and comedy. Yeah, Emo the Musical is... I, I, okay, there you go, satire. I would say primarily that's what Emo the Musical it's is satire. at its best. And I watch it not for the romance. I watch it... For the satire. For the satire. It makes me that's, why, that's why I'm there. Romance is great, but I'm there for the satire yes. all around. So... Um, probably a good place to wrap it up, right? Yes. I'll, I'll end with some parting words from from Mr. Shakespeare himself. Romeo and Juliet. If you've never read Romeo and Juliet, just just go, just just go read it, please. Like, it's so good. If you if you dozed off in freshman English and missed this, but this this quote here, I think, really epitomizes the romance genre that devotion there. And it's when Juliet says, O Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Deny thy father and refuse thy name, or if thou wilt, be but sworn my love, and I'll no longer be a Capulet. So you have that intense devotion to where you are willing to let go of your past. Of, of, and family yes, family. you're willing to let go Because that is ultimately, you know, I think a reoccurring theme in you see a romance is that something has to die in order for the romance to come to fruition, right? So again, you mentioned at the beginning with God, right? So in order, you know, for a relationship with God, according to like Christianity, there's this reality that both God and humans experience some sort of death in order to come together, right? When you get married, you experience a symbolic sort of death where you you leave your father and mother you leave that way of life where you were you know living with your family living on your own living death of a wherever bachelor. death of bachelor there you go brandon Neary. 
And you have to, in letting that go, you get to embrace something new. You get to experience something. I like to say that when you say I do at the altar, you are saying I don't to every other possibility. That is the romance right there. So in conclusion, why do we love romances? Perhaps because romances reignite the sparks of passion in us for life, for meaning, for love. And that's where I'm going to end it. Cool. Any final thoughts on why we love romances? No, that's cool. Cool. Awesome. So if there is a particular romance that you want me to dive into more to analyze, feel free to check out Patreon and I'd be more than happy to do that for the $50 a month tier. Check out all the other tiers as well if you want to support the show. Uh, just would be just super awesome and I'm just super thankful uh, for that. And if you want to learn more about these genres, just stay tuned with All Things Narrative because we'll talk more about them. Um, I know the guys want to come on and they have some specific ones we want to do uh, throughout this year. So yeah, but this is kind of where we're going to kickstart it, right? So why we love romances. And, you know, it's nighttime. It's time for us. Maybe we'll go watch a romance, right? We'll go we'll go throw on that 70s show. Um, <laughs> there, there's a romance, right? We didn't even really get into television shows that are romances. We don't have um, time for television. Or the soaps. Too many. We didn't talk about the soaps, the soap operas, all those different things that... Uh, if you keep up with those, man, I, more power to you. But more time on your hands. No more time on your hands, right? Yeah. But yeah. So that's gonna do it. Thank you, Tori, for for being here, hanging out, chatting about the romances, and feel free to check out allthingsnarrative.com. Connect with us on social media. And this is your friendly narrative practitioner, wishing you a happy Valentine's Day. And until next time. Goodbye. <laughs>